week on Voice Over Voices, we talk about radio, trees, billionaires in space, rats, 80s pop, trivia, why voice actors are so interesting, marketing on social media, microphones, and we basically solve the world's problems. And FYI, we also swear a little bit. Oh, and also, I'm sorry about waiting so long to get this episode out, but I think you'll love this show so much you'll forgive me. Please, go on. You know you want Hello and welcome to VoiceOver Voices, the podcast where we delve into the wordy world of voiceovers. Each episode you'll meet a professional voice artist, find out who they are and how they got into this work, and listen while we run through some slightly ridiculous script games, which are based on the kind of jobs we tackle every day in the studio. I'm Cathy Ogden and I'm a voice artist, singer, songwriter and podcaster. Voice artists are largely invisible to all but our agents, clients and each other. Well, I'm changing all that, so on with the show. My guest this week on Voice Over Voices is the many-faceted, very wonderful Ben Sorensen. Ben is a voice artist, multi-platform personality, writer of columns, lover of music, live event host, presenter... And, given that he was born in a country town in Queensland and now resides in Melbourne, he is able to bridge the divide between city living and country culture. Ben is probably best known for hosting one of Australia's most popular syndicated radio shows on over 140 stations across five countries, interviewing some of the biggest names including Taylor Swift, Keith Urban, In Excess, Lee Kernighan, Olivia Newton-John, Darius Rucker, The Moody Blues and Bon Jovi. His podcast, Real Country, is still broadcast in over 100 countries. He also hosts the EcoForce Global Advocate podcast. As an MC and host, Ben has been entertaining and sharing his personality professionally for the last 14 years all over Australia. With his intelligent humour and energy, Ben brings a cultured and flamboyant edge to the stage, festival or product launch. He has fronted events including Tamworth Country Music Festival, Restaurant and Caterer of the Year Awards and his own Trivia Night in Melbourne. He represents brands on screen and as a voiceover, including Ryobi, Pfizer, Toyota, Chai Lords, Ford, Coca-Cola, Google, Microsoft, Intel, Nestle, BMW and Stussy. Ben's broadcast credits include hosting roles across just about all the TV and radio networks in Australia, and he was also a past Channel 9 voiceover and warm-up guy. On top of all that, Ben is super stylish bearded, witty, eccentric, and has a fabulous selection of merchandise, including a pin of himself wearing a very natty green blazer. Ben also has autism and describes himself as a brain for hire, with a passion for entertainment, kindness and problem solving, and is represented by CMC Talent. I cannot wait to dive into the world of Ben. So, welcome to VoiceOver Voices. Ben Sorensen. Yay. <laughs> I think you put you put more effort into my bio than I did, and I love it. That's amazing. I will send Sitting it to you, going, <laughs> You can have it. Sitting there listening, going, I didn't do all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you did. You did. Wow, that's awesome. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you what, I have been researching you for uh, several days now. And the reason for that I is that you do so much. <laughs> How do you uh, fit all this into your world? Must keep brain occupied. Ah, Very important. Got it. Okay. Uh, my whole life is about feeding the little grey cells, as Proro would say. Oh, he's my favourite. You know, I met him, by the way, just as an aside. Already I'm jumping <gasps> in with a story here. Da- sorry, uh, sorry uh, David Sushai. I met him in costume as Poirot at what? Pinewood Studios. <gasps> I <know>. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and because out of out of all of them, he's he's uh, he's my favourite because um, John Malkovich did the played the character in the um one of the ABC murders yeah, movies that. that they did. He was he was equally wonderful, yeah. partly because he's John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. But um I think that the the classic David styled Praro, I think, is my favourite. I look I yeah, grew up reading the books and then happened to be at that studio record. Oh my uh, god, there's film. books. <laughs> <laughs> written by the, by a woman, by an actual woman called what? Agatha what? Christie, I believe. I believe oh, that's the case. Is she is she almost <laughs> as good as Agatha Raisin? <laughs> there are yeah, uh, almost <laughs> like really close, but not quite, not quite. She doesn't. She didn't wear the fancy outfits, quite quite the colourful outfits uh, that Agatha Raisin did. I don't yeah. know whether that show's still going, but anyway, there you have it. Isn't that exciting? Sorry to jump in. I normally this is all about you, but I had to tell you that. No, no, no. How cool is that? I'm happy for it to be about (laughs) other amazing things as well. Uh, Yeah, and my my biggest my biggest joy during lockdown here in Melbourne, because like a lot of voiceover guys, I've got a uh, or voiceover people rather. I have a home studio, so uh, Monday nights have been during or during lockdown have been my favourite nights because I'll finish in the studio, I'll shut the door. And then I'll head downstairs and I'll have a cup of tea, watch a Praro, which is backed up by a Miss Marple, and then it's bedtime. Ah, see, that is just actually perfect, really. Isn't it? It is. I love them. I'm such a fan. uh, So, yeah. Yeah. So, while, while we've been stuck at home... Uh, that's been my my adventure into the UK countryside or dirty old London <sighs> while I'm unable to travel. It's just I love I love a house mystery, you know, where they're all cooped up in a house and who did it, who done it. They're just I know, um, and they are they must it must be so hard for them in those like forty five room houses that they have <laughs> across seven levels with twelve staff. <laughs> Dreadful. I mean, how 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 do you live? How do you survive? And oh my why, God, times are tough. Why in God's name wouldn't the butler do it? Come on. Well, you've treated him like shit for three generations, so <laughs> maybe there's some, maybe there's a bit of unresolved anger issue there. Oh, actually, Agatha Christie did do a cover like that where where it was the maid and and everybody had just completely ignored her. Or whatever. It's just yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Ah, uh, so. Back to you. You grew up in a small town in Queensland. Debra. Debra. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, some t- I think English is a funny language because it's very easy for us to put the emphasis on the wrong syllables, <laughs> which 
Makes some words come out a bit different, yeah. and part of that is the joy of listening and doing voiceovers and going, okay, well, I can hear some of the minor variants in regional dialect within the Australian language group, mm-hmm. and it's really, really fascinating as a Queenslander coming down to Melbourne, talking to some Adelaideans mm-hmm. and some people from Perth, mm-hmm. uh, seeing and hearing some of the uh, differences there. But, yeah, Debra. Beautiful little town known for its pineapples and cows. Never mix the two. The cows don't like it. <laughs> Is that because they're very spiky kind of plants? Cows. Very spiky. They are very spiky and they're very huge spiky. too. Both ends are very spiky. Of the pineapple. Or the, of the pineapple, yeah. yes. Yes. Um, uh, not the cow. No. I mean, no, they're quite soft really. Sometimes they have horns, but yeah. then that's only one end that's spiky. <laughs> Um, yeah, it always surprises me. I think my dad took me to a pineapple farm in Queensland when I was a small child, like seven or something, and it just scared me how yeah. big these plants, these huge spiky plants were. It's just bizarre. So you grew up surrounded by pineapples and cows, and did you- Pineapples and cows. <laughs> and people, presumably, as well. Um, I, try, I tried to focus more on the pineapples and cows than the people. <laughs> pineapples and cows are nicer. Oh, I sort of kind of agree. Um, yeah, I'm with you. As in, sometimes you meet nice people and that's great. And of I love course. that. And I think that's awesome. But have you ever met an unkind cow? Never. No, because all the unkind ones end up in a burger. True. Very true. Although probably some of the kind ones too. too. But I don't want to think about that. That's just too no, sad. ignorance is bliss. If life has taught me one thing, ignorance is bliss. Yeah, Absolutely. So yeah, can I can I do it? No, absolutely not. <laughs> no. When you were growing up, were you were you interested in entertaining? Like, was this something that was in your in your sphere? Yeah. Well, I always knew I was neurologically different. I didn't know it had a name or a word or something. So I always had a deficit in social skills. So I ended up making that my special area of interest. Mm-hmm. And as as part of that. And learning more social skills, that's where sort of uh, comedy and entertaining and uh, voiceovers and things like that sort of fit in. Because mm-hmm. I uh, still am fascinated with the English language. And although I don't profess to master it at all, I am still uh, very much engaged and fascinated by it and puns and meanings and words and how we can craft different sentences and you know, the um, the rhythm of writing. And I find all of that really fascinating Yeah, when I have time to, to sit down and actually enjoy it and look at it and learn. So I think the voiceover thing kind of, uh, as, as it does for a lot of guys, tends to happen after puberty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when, for obvious when your reasons. Voice drops yeah. And, yeah, when your voice, it's not just your voice that drops, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you when your voice drops and you kind of settle into it and you go, okay, cool, well, that's a thing. So, yeah, I was singing with the Queensland Youth Choir for quite a few years and ah. I did some other vocal stuff and then kind of, you know, fell into doing voiceovers after doing um, some character work for Channel 9. They went, hey, we're doing a kids TV series. You want to uh, you want to come along and do some stuff? And I went, sure, why not? So what kind of stuff were you doing and on the TV series? 
So I was on my first TV series. I was doing uh, voiceovers for the show, mm-hmm. and it was a kids' game show. And then I was also doing uh, warm up as well. So we had two hundred kids that would come in on a record day back in the dark ages, mm-hmm. and we would shoot a whole week's worth of shows in a couple of days. And it was great fun, just really, really great fun and such an amazing team, you know, looking after these kids and doing this game show thing. I mean, some parts of it, when you do big record days and back-to-back shows, it's like Groundhog Day, mm-hmm. but it's still a lot of fun because there's a uh, such an epic epic crew uh, that we had at the time. So, yeah, so I started doing that and then I moved on to doing some voiceover stuff for uh, and warm-up stuff for, you know, uh, you know, another show or another two shows rather. Then moved to the Sunshine Coast and did breakfast radio for a little bit up there and then got out of that and uh, working with a mate of mine doing magazines. So I was uh, writing columns and wordsmithing for them and also doing some strategy and development stuff. Um Moved out of that and did live, just live events for a bit, kicking back and doing some voiceovers in the radio show, the syndicated radio show when I moved to Melbourne. So, yeah, it was good. Uh Lots of different stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Did you enjoy doing the radio? Because that must, I I don't know, to me it seems like a a pretty full-on job because you're you're there, it's live. Yeah. Wow. Look, radio's... I think radio was more fun than what it is now. I think there's a lot more pressure now. Mm-hmm. And with technology, there's uh, also, like, the technology's amazing when it works. Right. And I think there's also a really big divide in radio between regional radio and metro or syndicated radio. Okay. And the the thing I love about the, the regional or smaller stations is that it's all about connecting with your community and you know engaging and and it's sort of sort of expected that you're going to have that community connection and you buy into the legacy of that local radio station yeah. you're not a, a a national superstar there you're just a guy that does a job um and you're there to work with the community and it's it's lovely i really enjoy it uh, whereas when you're doing bigger stuff, I mean, you're still part of the community, but it's uh, I feel like it's a little more distant. And yeah. when you do the syndicated stuff, you've got virtually no community connection unless you actually get off your backside and go and do uh, live events and shows all over the place, which is what I did with Real Country, is we uh, toured all over going to music festivals and meeting people and doing interviews and all sorts of stuff. We put a lot of effort into that because I think community is such a big part of radio and uh, connecting with that community and feeling connected and having that friend that you tune into every day or every week or whatever is such an important part for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I have family who live in Armadale, actually. And um, mm, I'm, yeah, so I've spent a lot of my time listening to what they listen to on the radio and everything. And it's mm-hmm. it's so true. And even TV ads and everything are totally different when you're out in the countryside. It's oh, it's very all much so. you know, yeah, farming equipment and all this stuff. Yeah, and it but it makes so much sense. It's oh my god, that's John, John from John's Tractors <laughs> that I saw on TV. Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> 
I love those ads, actually, uh, i got to say. Yeah, I don't think you can afford that one. It's too John Deere for you. <laughs> uh, and sheep dip commercials and all this stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. This <laughs> is brilliant. Regional radio days. Yeah. yeah I had a um, – uh, the sales guys had one of the – a brilliant idea that they'd get the – uh, local produce store, which is like farming produce stuff, mm-hmm. to come in and do a, a little segment, a three-minute segment every week around midday, mm-hmm. sort of just before the news. And I went, oh, yeah, cool, whatever. That's fine. So anyway, there's an old farmer bloke that owns the local you know, CRT store or whatever it was, came in and he went, oh, here's, here's the catalogue. And I thought we might have a chat about some of the specials. And I went, yeah, cool, whatever, knock yourself out. And so, anyway, I didn't do a huge amount of prep for that. Right. Because <laughs> I thought it, it's <laughs> it's not going to be particularly cerebral. So, and you get a bit blase when you do a lot of stuff like that. So, I've, uh, I've flicked the microphone. I'm going, oh, you know, here's, here's Bruce or whatever his name was from Company XYZ. And we got some great catalogue specials this week for the, you know, our farmers and primary producers out there. And he's gone, oh, yeah, we got a great deal. You buy, you know, one pallet of sheep dip and you get a free cattle prod and i went oh yeah cool that sounds fun that's what they use here at the station for motivation <laughs> staff motivation a cattle prod and then he's pulled out the cattle prod and <laughs> so he, he brought a cattle prod in with him and i've gone dude you know this is radio no one can see it <laughs> please tell me he didn't so, try it out on you <laughs> And he's 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 sitting there in our first thing, and I'm talking away, and I can hear bzz, 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 as he's playing with it, and I'm going, "Wow, Ooh. cattle prod safety 101, so crazy!" Whoa, yeah. whoa! But look, I had some, I had some, I had some crazy wild adventures there, and that's that's something that you know only a tiny regional station or a, a smaller market can do for you. Yeah, is those sort of crazy insane things and uh although i don't think i enjoyed it i think i enjoyed it more looking back on it than what i enjoyed at in the moment yeah that makes so much you know, sense kind of, life is like that it's if it's a like good story you, it's like you know you can put up with a cattle prod in the yeah yeah <laughs> it's like when when you go to paris you know everyone yeah. goes oh paris you know and i i spent you know a couple of weeks in paris you know a few times and I enjoy telling stories about Paris more than I do about being in Paris. Gotcha. And holidaying in Paris. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a, <laughs> it can be tricky. Being it's it's good to be Australian. Well, it used to be good to be Australian there before the whole submarine thing. But um, yeah, being Australian yeah, was yeah. was much much. They were much kinder to you than than being a Brit if you're in France. So yeah, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. So now they can hate us for the. Um, Climate denialism and the submarine. Thing. Yeah, we're doing so, really well on the world stage at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, so so brilliant. Great, so brilliant. And what's what's the point of having a prime minister you can't shame into doing this? You know, the right thing. Uh, you know, how crazy is that? Uh, look, it yeah, it's just excruciating, horrific, and horrendous. Yeah. really. Yeah, which is why we use audio books and ads and voice work to transport us away from those terrible, terrible things like Australian politics. Yeah, definitely. And you're very proactive, though, because you are with that um, 
podcast that you're doing, the EcoForce Global. The EcoForce Global podcast. Yeah. What an incredible concept and a brilliant thing. How did that happen? So, look, it's really wonderful that I hosted a show uh, a little while ago for uh, Rural Aid and Buyer Bail. They're the same organisation. And the guy that founded that is now a mate of mine, Mm -hmm. uh, Charles Alder. And... Charles is one of the most driven, passionate people that I have ever met, and he is uh, was so passionate about helping farmers because they didn't have enough feed for their cattle. Right. So he started rural aid to during the drought to simply buy hay bales to transport on trucks out to farmers so that their cattle wouldn't die, mm-hmm. and so that you know they could they could still you know, hold on until the rains came, until everything sort of got a bit better. Yeah. And then he sort of expanded that concept into mental health for farmers. So he had a uh, a team of counsellors in cars going out to farms to make sure that the farmers were okay, see how they were doing, see if there was any support services they needed, and actually just chat to them on their farms. Mm-hmm. So he's done an amazing array of stuff there. So that's that charity's up and running and is doing its own thing. And he thought, okay, well, now we've got that taken care of. How can we look at the cause of adverse weather events as opposed to helping with the solution, mm-hmm. which is have a bale of hay, keep your, keep your world going for, for a while. Yeah. So he went, trees, capturing carbon is super important and it doesn't have to be as complex as we all think it is, Yeah, it's as simple as I have a tree, let's put it in the ground, let's look after it for two years, which is the danger zone, mm-hmm. and let it grow and do its thing. And then he's expanded that concept and gone, well, what if we involve the farmers as well and we teach them about regenerative agriculture? Because not only can they have some trees, but there's a whole heap of soil research out there saying that um, we also have an amazing carbon sink right under our feet. It's soil. So healthy soil holds a whole heap more carbon. Got it. And it's it's less limited. So the more carbon it, it, it keeps, the deeper the good soil goes. Mm-hmm. So we have an opportunity to have a win-win-win situation where if we teach farmers regenerative agriculture and we improve the quality of their soil, that actually captures more carbon than Uh, if we had just planted trees and it captures carbon a little bit faster than if we have trees. So if we have both, we have uh, less need for fertilisers, better yield, lower cost, uh, more carbon in the soil, and uh, it's it's such a great win for farmers. So anyway, Charles is doing that with EcoForce Global, and part of that EcoForce Global model is to invite everyone not only to buy a tree, but they're able to tell their friends about it as well and sell trees too, so that we can plant a billion trees and make a difference. Oh, my goodness. I love this so much. Oh. Yeah. So it's a it's a really, really wonderful uh, idea, and I, I have the utmost uh, trust and adoration uh, in Charles, and he's just done such an amazing job. So EcoForce Global is uh, really kicking some goals, and they're also uh, looking at ways they can give back to different communities also around the globe too. So they've got some tree planting projects that employ a lot of the women in South Africa as well mm-hmm. to help them to future-proof their communities and ha- to help them 
uh, earn an independent uh, living and income for them. So uh, there's just some amazing projects out there at the moment, and Ecoforce Global is really at the forefront of all of them going, hey, let's just do it and let's just not wait for the government to say whatever. This is something we can do ourselves. All it takes is money. So let's get out there and sell some trees and make a difference. I am so jumping on board with this. <laughs> I was, I was, yeah, it's yeah, pretty cool. I just love it. I love it so much. And it's it's just yeah, it's- wonderful how, how these these things are, are created by people who actually want to solve these problems as opposed to governments who just just keep sidestepping and... And thank God well, for attention people. Attention goes where money you know, flows yes, in politics. That's true. That's very true. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. There you go. So that's why I'm on board with them. And uh, the podcasts we do each week are basically about environmental news and sort of deciphering, you know, what's happening in environmental news and in talking about it in relation to carbon capture. And simplistically, is this good or bad? And how does that work? And we talk a lot about regenerative agriculture too, because a lot of people don't know a huge amount about that. I was just wondering, I mean, if a farmer's actually taking this up and thinking it's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. They okay, They're really, great. really, really on board it. with it. Yeah. It's a little challenging for some farmers, though, because uh, the Department of Primary Industries is uh, issues agricultural consultants, mm-hmm. and a lot of the agricultural consultants are funded by fertilizer and chemical companies. Got it. Yeah. So they're not as open to the wealth of data and science that is available for and evidence that is supporting regenerative agriculture, because that means that we would need infinitely less chemicals. Right. Uh, So our river systems would be healthier and our oceans would be healthier and we would be healthier and all the plants would be healthier. We wouldn't be ingesting chemicals. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, there's still still a place for companies that support mass farming. Mm -hmm. It just means it'll be different. So, and, uh, and we see the same thing in the mining industry as well. Um, there is still a place for a large business to do, you know, whatever. It's just you can't do mining because it's bad for everyone. Yeah. So, I don't understand why a lot of these uh, companies are fighting change when they actually could be industry leaders, make even more money mm-hmm. and just embrace it. Can you imagine if every mining company went, we're doing solar now, we're now yeah. doing wind farms or- we're converting all of our old mine sites to wind and solar power. And you go, great. Yeah. So now you don't, you can make money long term and the same staff that you have, you can retrain to do all sorts of other stuff. So, you know, yeah. I think it comes down to a, um, a very op- op- oppressive range of people in the boardrooms that are very change averse. They really are. And also, it's like it's all very well building up an empire and and passing on loads of money to your family if you have one. But what is the mm. point? <laughs> what is the point so, of that? If a climate- little bit of a banner philosophy, really? and there's a, a really cool company. They call themselves the Philosopher's Shirt, and they actually put cool philosophy things on shirts. And one of them was a picture of a book. And the title of it was how to how to win at business and die anyway. 
<laughs> and I've just gone, how amazing is that? You spend your entire life fighting the world to win and to have the most of these little dollary do's or whatever they are, yeah. and then you die anyway. Yeah. Alone yeah, and do. unhappy. Yeah, or, you do. You know, <laughs> or comfortable in a Ferrari or whatever. Apparently, the the but yeah, yeah, all the all the billionaires are investing heavily in trying to extend their lives longer. I just anyway, which is really funny. Though. They're investing heavily in extending their lives, but then they're also going to space. What is and the actual point? I'm oh. look, and I I'm I'm one I one hundred and fifty percent support billionaires going into space. Really? What I don't support is them com- is them coming back. back. I love that you said that. <laughs> I yep. could not agree more. Jeff Bezos, could, oh, great. Really, go. Seriously, go. Dude. Get out there. Yeah. Yeah. Create create a little Martian paradise for yourself and stay there. But but also, oh. is that not the ultimate sign of dick swinging capitalism oh, like to build beyond. a giant rocket? And the fact that they were all and doing go, it at the that, same time. Like, it's just it's just like, uh, anyway. Yeah, not in a weird way. No. Not in a weird way. No. <laughs> so horrible. Anyway, I think we're yeah. going to have to do something um, to lighten. As you said earlier, this is the whole thing about being a voiceover is to bring joy and happiness to people so they don't have to think about all this shit. But um, <laughs> we're going to do a tour in the booth and then we'll come back to solving the world's problems, if that's all right. With you. All right, let's do it. Okay, so um, if you see the two in a booth, um, I the reason I chose to do two rats is because I was looking on, I was stalking you basically. I was looking on your Insta feed and I saw that you had a rat for a little while. You're looking after somebody's rat. I was looking after a friend's rat. I am a, a I just love animals, Me too. and because I travel well. Before COVID, I travelled like lots. I was on a plane like every week or every second week or whatever, going and doing a show somewhere or doing something. Yeah. And I can't I I didn't I wouldn't think it would be fair to have a pet. Yeah. Because I think I would want to donate or offer more of my time, love, energy and affection to that mm-hmm. you know, cute little animal. Mm-hmm. So, I am a uh, really good pet uncle, so <laughs> I uh, have and friends and family animals over for sleepovers and Aww. for holidays, and we have little parties. So, I uh, I, a friend of mine does rat rescue, which is a thing, apparently, and uh, she was going away and went, do you want to take care of ratties for a couple of days? And I went, yes, let's do it. <gasps> oh, they're amazing. And I, I hadn't lived with rats before. Mm. Um and they had um, – she's set up the most beautiful uh, cage for them. And I just didn't realise how expressive and affectionate rats were, mm. how clean they were, and also how dang smart they are. Super smart. So – Yep. Yeah. They were, like, up for – they were house trained. They were up for hugs and pats. And they <laughs> were, like, you know, they were playing games and all sorts of things. Oh. So, yeah, I think they may almost be smarter than me. Oh, you never know. I have no Particularly idea. Particularly after two, a couple of beers. <laughs> you gave them beer? Yeah. So, anyway, that's the rat story. <laughs> no, I didn't give the rats beer. <laughs> terrible, terrible. I just gave them an ecky each. Oh, is that all? All right. Okay. No crack, <laughs> no eyes. No, 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 no. Well, they don't have opposable thumbs, so they can't light it. Good they point. can't use the lighter. Uh, 
They so, had. They, duh, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, so we are a couple of rats, um, Artie and Banksy, because, of course, Banksy, rat. And then, did you know, my friend was telling me that um, somebody was interviewing Banksy early on. I mean, obviously, they didn't see him, but they said to him, um, love that you have a little rat as your symbol, um, because, of course, it's an anagram of art. And he went, oh, I hadn't thought of that. (laughs) 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 I love it. I love love it. I really do. That made me very happy. So, um, anyway, so. (laughs) Oh, yeah, totally deliberate. Yeah. Yeah, Wow. (laughs) Um, So, Artie and Banksy are sitting together and they're having a chat. And um, I, would you like to be Artie or Banksy? Uh, let me, let me have a crack. Yeah. Uh, let me have a crack at Banksy because I had a read of it. There's that one, there's that one bit in there that I've just gone, <laughs> Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> Let's do, Let's you do know, it. and, and this is the thing, right? Because normally as a voiceover person, you, you don't do live stuff. No. And when you, when you're in that voiceover character, you can do and normally you end up doing half a million versions of the same thing and you can't remember what it is. And then when you hear it back, the finished product, you go, I don't remember any of that. No. And they pieced, to get, pieced it all together from 11 different things. But, um, yeah, let's do this. I like the challenge. I like okay. the challenge too. And, of course, there is editing. We can- <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, that was like the um, – uh, there was a, a thing on the internet. The guy actually created uh, Cut and Paste. Yeah died and it was really funny because they had a the article of him and then all the comments were just cut and paste of that article underneath (laughs) and i thought that was just genius so yes there is editing control c control v my favorite me too love them to pieces yes okay all righty um i have no idea what character i'm going to be but i'm just gonna just do a rat voice whatever that is i think i'm just gonna be i'm just gonna be a pretty pretty normal rat i reckon do we have back? Are we going to have backing music to this, like some snake jazz or something? Oh God, I'd love that. Um, maybe I can. Maybe I can through the. <laughs> anyway, do do You just put that on a loop. Do we do Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so off you go, Artie. Yes, Banksy. I'm, I'm. I'm trying to create something. What are you trying to make? A kind of abstract expressionist narrative utilising found objects in a sculptural installation framing the dichotomy of my quadrupedal interpretations of biped entitlement and its ability to fundamentally piss me off. That's cool, Banksy. What materials are you using? Uh, I thought I'd use some sawdust, chewed up paper, bits of fluff and droppings. (gasps) I like it already. Oh, I thought you would. But every time I get it just right, the human cleans out our cage and my work is lost forever. Uh Uh-huh. I see your problem. May I uh, offer you a solution? Oh, if you think you have one. Well, Buddhist monks spend days making intricate, colourful mandalas from sand. And when they're finished, they pick them up and they throw them into the sea. Interesting. It symbolises impermanence and the futility of attachment to objects. So uh, so you're saying I should become a Buddhist? I'm saying 
you need to accept that your art needn't be permanent to be meaningful. Whoa, little ratty mind blown. (laughs) You're very philosophical rat, Artie. And you, my friend, are a very gifted artist, Banksy. So, uh, biting the human next time they destroy my art's not a great idea? That could work. Is your rat trying to tell you something? Does your hamster seem a bit sad? Are your mice a little maudlin? Come to Pet Palace. We have a full array of treats and toys to tempt your tricky rodent and make their life playful and perfect. Bored budgie, forlorn fish, ratty rodent? Come to Pet Palace. It's paradise for pets. <laughs> that is going to be the most uh, existential and arty thing I've ever presented, and you did beautifully, if I may say so. There, Ben. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> it's now, my I, pleasure. I, I just I want to I want to see a follow up where they're chatting, and then a snake just comes and eats one of the rats <laughs> for dinner, and goes, "Oh well." Yeah, there's the meaning of life and existentialism right there. I feel like that would be me. I feel like I'd be eaten by the snake. Because <laughs> I'd be there like, oh, look at that snake. It's so beautiful. Nope. <laughs> I'd be gone. <laughs> oh, my God. Artie, it's all dark. Banksy, Banksy, you're inside the snake. Oh, my God. Is this what heaven's like? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so there you have it. So um That was actually that was really great. Was I love that. You, some, you you were fab. Why thank you. So are you, sir. So why did I just say that with an American accent? I just, I don't know. Oh you know what? That's the that's the new thing that I'm uh so uh, as an Aussie voiceover artist, mm-hmm. uh, we have a limited market that we can natively sell to with our uh, Australian accents. Uh, And I think the the next level is uh, getting that delightfully generic American accent to open up to, you know, the globe's largest English-speaking market of 330,000 people, less less COVID deaths. Yes. So are you doing that? Are you getting – are you working on your American accent? I toy with the idea, but I've never actioned it because I'm very happy and very proud of my Australianness. Okay, and I enjoy that. I enjoy that very much. So, and at the moment, I'm doing okay with the uh, Australian market and the lovely people in it. Mm-hmm. So, haven't uh, haven't had a need to venture outside there. So, I could be, you know, like the John Farnham of. Uh, of of voiceovers, you know, amazing in Australia, and then overseas they go John Who, and you go, I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> that was kind of that never made sense to me that he didn't. I mean, he had your the voice was big around the world. Um, yeah, totally. But he never had that huge career that you would have expected. And when what a voice, what a voice, you know, totally, totally. And look. You're the voice, very popular around the world. But then, you know, so was Walk Like an Egyptian. And what happened to the Bangles? <laughs> I love that band. You know? Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> I just, or, bana- or Banana Rama. Uh, Do you remember them? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah, yeah. Um, hang on, what song? Favourite way to get potassium in my diet. Uh, <laughs> I used to do one of their songs. Um, what was it? Uh, uh 
past night. It's a very short list. Oh, love in the first love degree. Love in the first That's degree. It. That's it. How could I forget? I used Not to do all the dance moves and everything. Nineteen eighty-seven. That came out. Oh, good Lord. But we're not going to talk about that. No, let's not. No, I was actually covering that in a band only about eight years ago. Anyway, but um, they were so cool. They were the – I mean, they are still they're, – they're touring again. They're doing the whole thing. So Look, yeah, they oh, are. they were. In Australia, we're lucky. We, uh, I do a couple of voiceovers for a, um, uh, a couple of music promoters as well, and a, a little while ago they had like this 80s and 90s explosion Yeah, where they had – um, and they sent the ads through, and I've just gone. Oh my god! I just, I, de- I don't care about the ad. I just, I want to go. I <laughs> Rick Astley, you came like, out, didn't he? Or I think. Yeah. What they they had on their on their tour, they had uh, like the Venga Boys. Oh wow! They had uh, East Seventeen. Mm. They had uh, Bewitched in a separate tour, Atomic Super Kitten, <laughs> and then uh, S Club Three. Oh, so there was three members of S Club 7. That are left. Got it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it was S Club 7 and now it's S Club 3. <laughs> and I went, oh, is that like one of those things where they just kill them off or is it just that they're not part of the group but they still exist in the world? Yeah. And uh, then I fell asleep and didn't think about it anymore. <laughs> I just think it's wonderful that they are all touring again. And that pop music is so much fun. It's just fabulous. Isn't it? It's the It doesn't best. have to be it's good. So it's fun. Yeah. And it's loud and I can wear fluoro shit. Oh, absolutely. And I am a huge Spice Girls fan, got to say. Love them. Would hap- yeah. I just It just makes me very cheerful. Just come on. Yeah. What's not I, to love? I think that I'm ready to be this. I'm ready to be the sixth member of the Spice Girls. I'll be old Spice. <laughs> Yeah. And part of me actually really hopes that there's a tribute group for the Spice Girls and they call themselves Five Spice. <laughs> I would totally happily be in that group. Oh, that would make me I know. So How happy. much fun would that be? Oh, the best, the best, the best. So tell me about your trivial night. Trivial. <laughs> <laughs> Most nights in my world are quite trivial. <laughs> Way to sell it. <laughs> so, uh, have... <laughs> I've just lost it completely. Sorry. <laughs> uh, that's all right. Have brain, will travel. So I quite like uh, trivia questions and stuff like that. Got um, it. So okay. I've been doing big corporate trivia nights and game show trivia nights on the big screen for a little while. And oh, it's just, it's a. Uh, it's a wonderful way to burn excess brain energy for me right. in writing 30 questions a night. <sighs> and uh, that's really the excuse for me to do crowd work and take the piss out of the audience. Got it. Okay. I so, just, I love that yeah. idea. Because I love that. I do the quiz every, it's in the Sydney Morning Herald here on Saturdays. Yeah. So it'd be in the age as well, that yeah. quiz. I love that. I love that. <laughs> oh, it's great fun. Yeah, I mean, comp- incidentally, I don't use those questions because they're already, of course, uh, in the in the age. I write my own, but <laughs> you're right. Those those questions are uh, great fun, and it's just a, a little, you know, a little thing to have fun with during the week. Yeah, um, you know, corp- corporates are loving it. Uh, I've done quite a lot during. In fact, it was trivia that's kind of. Trivia in my home studio that saved me during lockdown. Yeah. Uh, because everyone sort of went to online events and I've got a full 
um, video and audio studio here mm-hmm. and full streaming setup. So um, it was great. We did trivia game show stuff. We did comedy stuff for you know Australia, India. We had some shows in Canada. We did some New Zealand ones. Wow! And you know it was great fun. That's incredible. And it just opened up a whole, it opened up a whole market that previously wasn't there because normally you would just you know, fly around and do the gig. Yeah. But uh, this way, using all of the tech, uh, it's not as interactive as a live event, but it's a great way to get people in a large organisation from all across the globe to tune in at the same time and go, oh, yeah, that's Bob from Accounts in Australia that I talk to Ah. via email. Oh, that's what he looks like. I'll say hi to him and... We can be on a different team and we can do all sorts of stuff. So it's a really great way to connect people and I really enjoy that. And uh, that's where, you know, trivia has been pretty good for me, Uh, particularly as an autistic bloke. It's a a wonderful way to help me socialise with people and have fun and go outside of the house and drink lots of pints of beer and uh, all sorts of stuff and still do my comedy stuff like the- uh, comedy trivia show did really well at last year's Melbourne International Comedy Festival, and it's coming back again for 2022, um, lockdown allowing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just think it's a really easy, uh, not so much easy, it's a, it's a fun format for me. That is extraordinary. I, I had no idea that you were doing something that was so global. And so it's because you're working with a multinational company that wants to bring their teams around the world together and what better way than doing it through a trivia thing instead of a boring Zoom meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Which Yeah. I mean, I can do boring trivia as well, but they prefer <laughs> not to do a boring trivia. But, um I did one I did one for a bunch of uh, oldies because in lockdown obviously the oldies can't go anywhere either. So there was a um, uh, a, a club that's got uh, an ageing membership, shall we say, mm-hmm. and we had 80 people uh, over the age of 80 on a Zoom call and they were so lovely because it's, you know, Gladys, you're on mute again. <laughs> Gladys, Gladys, you're on, you're, you're, no, you're on mute. And then someone's gone off mute going, I don't understand how to work this. Can you wait a second while I get my granddaughter to help me? <laughs> and it was just so lovely and so beautiful and we all had such a great time Aww. that we did it three more times. Oh, that's lovely. So, yeah, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've met a whole heap of really different people uh, with trivia and through, you know, doing events and things like that. And it really is such a, a, a joyous part of my life. And how long have you been in Melbourne? Oh, look, time marches on. I think it's been 10 years, maybe. Okay. So you're, you're pretty maybe more. well established there then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah got it. Well, I, I have a house. So nice. I think that's a, an indication of a state. Yeah. Way better than that cardboard box. Excellent. Love that. Very happy. You got to get the wax coated ones. <laughs> wax coated ones are the way they're, they're like top shelf. I do hope you're not speaking from experience and I'm pretty sure you're not, but yeah. Okay. No, I'm not. No, I'm good. Not. <laughs> oh, wow. All righty. Well, look, I would like to now do, if you would agree to this, a bit of a quick fire direction. Okay, cool. I was trying to think what to do and then I just 
went through all your social media and I could see that you're very pro-vaccination, as am I. Do you know, you know what? I'm, I'm more than pro-vaccination. I am pro-evidence-based, peer-reviewed science. Agreed. That's, that's what I love. Me science too. really doesn't care what you believe or what you think or what you feel. This is what it is, and I love that. That's kind of what I was trying to sum up in this in this tiny little line that I will ask you to do in several different ways. So All right. I don't know. If can you think do. I can improve on that, like what do you reckon? Can we improve on this? Is that, uh, is that if we are trying look, look, if we're trying to improve on this, yeah. we would actually have to work out what the, what a question is, commission a study, and then find a large enough test audience to do it with, and then uh, compile the results of said test group mm-hmm. and then send it off for peer review before we could work out if it uh, the line that you've written is actually better than the science that's currently available. Right. Because the only thing that's better than science is is better a science. Correct. Correct. So are these- but I love, what, I love <laughs> what you've written. Are these it's six fine. words all right then without the peer review? Do we think- They are a perfect distillation of everything. Awesome. Right then. Well, Ben, could you please do it as you would- as you feel. Vaccination. Thanks, science. I needed that. Hmm. Can I please have it faster but make it sound slower? Vaccination. Thanks, science. I needed that. More natural. Vaccination. Thanks, science. I needed that. Mm, Whisper. Psst. (laughs) Vaccination. Thanks, science. I really needed that. Ooh, like that. Um, okay, I want you to try out your American accent. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, okay. No jab. No jab. Isn't that what the Americans say? <laughs> <laughs> My rights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Okay, we could. <laughs> Too much. All right. Okay, like a rat. Vaccination? Oh, thanks, science. Oh, I needed that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I love it. Uh, like a sergeant major. Vaccination? Huh. Thanks, science. I needed that. Ooh, yeah. Now maximum charm. Mm, vaccination. Thank you, science. I needed that. You wanted it. <laughs> Love that so much. Um, okay, now like a mushroom, only cheerier. Oh, like a mushroom. Is it a, is it a uh, one of those gold top ones that you stew up and then can see sounds? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was thinking more like a regular, just a little button mushroom, but you know, entirely up to you. Like a button mushroom, only cheerier. Oh. <sighs> Vaccination? Oh, thanks, science. Oh, I needed that. Oh, and maybe some capsicum and some other things to get in this stir fry. A little bit of pesto, perhaps. Delicious. Now, like a hypnotherapist. Focus on the watch. Yes, vaccination. Thanks, science. Oh, Oh, I needed that. Now tell me that you needed that too. Okay. And sleep. I needed that. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, now more like your first read. Oh, fuck, I can't remember. <laughs> um, okay, okay. Vaccination? Thanks, science. I needed that. Beautifully done, and you got the job, Ben Sorensen. It's yours. Amazing. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, my oh, goodness. I re- Mm, sorry. Yeah, you know, and that that is the both the funnerest and worsterest part of doing voiceovers because what I like and what you like and what the nine people sitting on the couch whispering about you like are totally different things. Very true. And uh, I I just find it really really fascinating that uh, like when you do you know you might sit there for an hour and only do a 15 second ad and you'll do it again and again and again and by the end of the hour you'll go jeez have they not got it got what they want yet i don't uh, what am i doing wrong what am i how how is this happening and you go through this whole big internal struggle and then you hear the ad and you go that was amazing i don't know how they did that <laughs> so it's a it's i love the journey i love the journey i love the journey too i actually even love all of that I just, I love it all. I love that whole thing of just yeah. being in the studio. I love it when there's like 10 people on Zoom and somebody's sort of looking at their nails and somebody, you know, and then you, their, their dynamic, you know, they're kind of deferring to the most important person and, but they're all trying to put their, they're all trying to have an opinion or whatever. I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting process to, to stand back and watch. And, um, yeah, I feel like I'd, I'd be a better voiceover artist if I had a sociology degree anthrop- um, <laughs> and also did a degree in anthropology and another degree in, um, like, you know, psychology or ape studies or something. Do you know what's interesting? The thing I've, I've realised from doing this podcast and interviewing fellow voiceovers is that all of them, every single one, is a really intelligent human, like really smart, really interesting got an amazing background no matter what it is it's just i don't know it it actually does attract very very interesting people yeah i like that uh if you want to be uh and this is the the question that i hate the most oh i've always wanted to be a voiceover person so now all i have to say is thanks to your research is just don't be boring that's a really good start <laughs> don't be boring and don't be stupid yeah, stupid or boring is just never going to get you in the door, really. Well, it might do. No. I have no idea. <laughs> stupid and boring no. with a well, very I mean, beautiful voice. <laughs> Maybe it, it works for some people. I don't know. I've just never met any like that. It just doesn't seem to happen. You know what? I, I, I haven't either. And uh, not that I meet as many voiceover. Well, it's the same as a lot of voiceover people, really. We're kind of in a carpeted box on our own anyway. This is true. We don't really get to meet a lot of other people. Uh, that do what we do. And even if you look at technology and if you're like dubbing an anime series or something, you're not even in the same space. You're just reading uh, all the, all the separate lines and they hack it together in um, editing. Yeah. So, you know, we're very, uh, very insular. And I think uh, brains that are suited to an insular occupation tend to be more intelligent. Oh, you might have just put your finger on it there. That kind of makes a lot of sense because it is a very solitary yeah. thing. And yeah, uh, Roseanne yeah. Roseanne Barr had uh, and um, aside from her other interesting behaviours, had uh, one line which I think is really interesting uh, as that she said as her character uh, on Roseanne back in the dark ages. 
uh, and it was. I consider myself a pretty good judge of people, which is why I don't like none of them. <laughs> there you have it. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we, all, we all need different things. We all yeah. do need different things. She was a particularly spiky personality, Roseanne. Interesting yeah, human. She? Yeah, wasn't she? Yeah, that was such an um, original show. I remember, you know, when it first came on air, and I'd never seen anybody quite so aggressive I, and yeah, mean, but like, kind of sort of lovable at the same time. It was great. I think it was the the introduction of a more complex character than we were used to at the time Yeah, on TV. And I like the fact that in that time period there that not just Roseanne but a few other shows, they took some um, what they thought were big risks but what the rest of us thought were minor risks in casting, in content and uh, all sorts of things like that. I mean, you know, Australian TV has – or in the early days, uh, did a lot of that risk-taking stuff. If we look at, like, uh, Number 96 or Prisoner and things like that, Mm -hmm. they took a lot of, you know, a lot of risks there to depart from the norm, to show the audience more than what they thought they could cope with or thought that they could handle seeing. And I'd, I'd like, I feel like, Media's lost its edge a little bit and become a little bit homogenous as far as the store, some of the main the stories that we tell. Mm-hmm. And it's really great to see that we're starting to see uh, more really amazing, strong female characters, and we're seeing uh, a lot of really great uh, First Nations voices coming through. Yeah. And the range of stories that we're hearing with the cultural diversity that we have here in Australia is just amazing. And I can't wait to get to a time where we see more of those and hear more of those stories to a point where it becomes normalised. Yeah. That, that is just what good programming is is a great mix of stories. Exactly. So there is something for everyone. I could not agree more. Yeah. I yeah, I I sort of as you know I was living overseas for well you probably I don't know whether you know but I did. I lived <laughs> I lived overseas yeah, for a long time. And when I came back it it sort of surprised me that with the exception of the ABC and SBS and NITV I it, it, it's still quite a homogenous sort of looking world, Australian television, but it is changing and thank God it's changing and it's changing from within and I think it's, I think it's, it's us, Australian people, insisting on it and so it's, it's happening and long may it continue into more mainstream as well as, you know. Yeah, absolutely and I, and I think part of that or well, the catalyst for that was – uh, some of the biggest disruptors in media, which is the uh, Netflix and all the video on demand streaming platforms, yeah, that have really opened up opportunities for uh, what mainstream would consider niche content, yeah, to be out there in the world and for audiences to actually, for the first time ever, have the ability to hunt down the content that they want to see more of. Mm-hmm. And we see that with um, YouTube. We see that with uh, Facebook and Twitch and all of the other subscription streaming services too, that there's a huge range of content there and you can hunt it down. 
And the journey of getting that is, you know, a lot, uh, can be a lot harder and there's less gatekeepers mm-hmm. to getting content out there. So we see uh, more content, but a wider range of it. So some of it's rubbish, some of it's really great, and some of it's, you know, striving for mediocrity in the middle. Yeah, I agree. Whereas before we had millions of millions of gatekeepers, so you had to be good at what you did. You had to have investment and funding behind it. You had to have all of this other stuff. Whereas now I can turn my phone on and go to, you know, 50,000, a million, 2 million, 5 million people Mm. thanks to social media. So, you know, how we tell stories and more importantly, how we tell long-form stories, I think is is going to be something that's really, really interesting as the years go on and as we sort of catch up with the technology that is available to us to tell those stories. Yeah. I sort of have this, this unsure relationship with social media and I know you're in marketing and- how someone hmm, someone like me who is kind of a bit – I have this thing where I I never know what is oversharing. I'm, well, put it this way, I don't want to overshare on, on social media, but I do want to engage yeah. with people and I do want to network, although the concept of networking in inverted commas sort of gives me the shivers and I don't quite know why. How do you do what you do on social media and everything? Because you're so natural and you just – you're very entertaining. Maybe uh, that's all, maybe that's the thing. It's all fake. Is it? <laughs> it's um, very entertaining, of, actually. No, it doesn't seem fake. It uh, seems like you. It seems like you being very generous, actually. So part of it is looking at how do what, what do you want out of social media? And I think social media is very confusing or marketing is very confusing if you don't have an end goal in mind. Right. Got so it. Okay. Working out who's who's your target market what are you trying to tell them in a long form mm-hmm. so when when we look at social media you can put one post up and go hey great sale today it's your you know 50% off or whatever and you go okay that's awesome but that doesn't tell me anything about you yeah. social media and followers on social media are a really wonderful way to drip feed long form content to get to know things about you like what do I what sort of things do you like what sort of values do you does your business have what sort of new things are happening what's happening with your you know um, you know staff what's happening with you know um, at your venue mm-hmm. there's a whole heap of things like that so that I can get a feel for the personification of your business got it and that's and that's one of, one of the things that's really handy and we see a lot uh, – some people do this really well. You know, they've worked out the voice of their social media. Mm-hmm. And each platform is marginally different. Yes, so it is. I'm, yeah. I'm, in a la- I'm in a lazy stage at the moment. Most of my content is just the same or very similar across all, all the platforms with the exception of a few bits and pieces here and there. Mm-hmm. But – you know, some people go, well, uh, LinkedIn is really where the target mark that I'm talking to is going to be. So I'm going to put a lot of effort into that or Twitter or I like Facebook or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you will find that you'll be bigger on one of those platforms uh, compared to the others based on who your target market is and what that target market natively uses. So, you know, it's all well and good to have a lot of followers, mm-hmm. but the key, I think, is being authentic and knowing your target market and understanding what's of interest to them 
And most importantly, what's useful to you? Because if it isn't useful to you, there's no point doing social media. Go outside and have a life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, for you me, know what I mean? yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think in the world that we're in, though, in entertainment and voiceovers and podcasts and everything else, you have to let people know what you're doing. It's that's that's what my Well, look, yeah. That's that's one that's one tool. Mm. I mean, look at David Tennant. Yeah. He doesn't use social media at all. And yeah, that's he's done true. all right. That kid's done all right for he's himself. Done all right, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> done all right. Yeah. I love his so, podcast. So, you know, and then, oh, isn't he funny? Oh, I adore him. And he's so lovely. Yeah. So brilliant. And he's, um, he's, he's, he's got that air of insanity about him, which I love. Same. And I just think that's that wild, intelligent, unpredictable, nature which made him perfect as the doctor oh yes um but yeah just such an amazing human he is isn't he um but yeah the the idea that you have to be anywhere you don't have to be anything it all comes down to your overall strategy and plan and you go well what's part of my plan and what am i prepared to do as a person if i really don't like social media i mean sure that's one way yeah to do it Mm. If I don't like that, do I prefer the other ways mm-hmm. or do I prefer a mix of ways? So it's um, goal-orientated is or loosely goal-orientated is a good thing and working with each individual person. Like I have met some voiceover people out there or some actors out there that don't do social media. They just focus on, you know, going, going to events, doing great work and perfecting their craft. Yeah. They're not interested in the marketing or the sales side of it. They just want to do the craft because they're so passionate about that. And that's okay too. They have a different career strategy and a different job acquisition strategy to someone with social media or someone with billboards or someone with, you know, corporate connections or someone with whatever. So, you know, that's a really important thing. And I think planning that, getting data from it and working out what is you is a good thing. Got it. That is really useful. Thank you. I knew you could help me with that. That's my, I just knew. Thanks. That's just my, <laughs> just, my, just my two cents. I appreciate it then. Right. Would you like to do- Just a rat on a mission. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to do the nonsense poetry jam? Yeah. You would? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Please just do it in whichever way you feel is necessary. Um, do you want me to set the mood for it for you? Have you got background music? <laughs> no, I don't. No, I was just Can the I'm tone. Jazz? The tone. Actually, yeah. No, like, no, no, no. Him, hmm? Yeah, if I was running this through my desk, I would be. I've got. I would have just played background music for you organically because uh, I have that stuff set up because I love it. Got it. Um, Dang. But that's okay. That's so, okay. So here we go. But here if we you go. imagine that you're listening to some beautiful jazz and it's very it's very calming and lovely and if you like jazz, that is. Yeah. Maybe some nice country. I don't yeah. know. But and, it, yeah. and and you're living life on the edge. You've got a purple beret on <gasps> and Definitely. you're munching on because you're so wild and out there and on the edge and the fringe of society, you're eating a double brie cheese that was on sale from your local IGA that's two days past its use-by <gasps> date. Yes. With an organic glass of wine that was made by B 
barefoot people on the side of a hill somewhere in the middle of nowhere that's totally organic and kind of smells a little bit like weed. And you're there just soaking it up on a 70s couch <laughs> that's you can't tell if it's cold, wet, or a little bit sticky, but you're there because it is the hip place to be. Oh, Enters God. me. Enters you. Do it. Okay. Enters me. Stage right. On the beautiful, ethically sourced Persian handmade rug on the floor. A bongo player in the corner with bad timing. <laughs> a mic, which is a SM58 that's been swimming in more pints of beer than I've ever drunk in my life. Ew. <laughs> Phil, with the, with, with the, uh, the mic cover on it being a rainbow of lipstick colours from the last 30 years, smelling like an ashtray mixed with instant coffee, I approach piano, heifer, this logarithm, abysmia, they don't extol knit, for blink nor wimple snow, meandering of empty vine jump. Hither, main. Just incremental flinch. Prophets go apiary truthful. On Genesis, this bream is doubtlessly semi-automatic. Have yachts bloom? Oh, trimesters. Here, avocado. Why? Argonaut. Just pure, pure joy and delight, Ben Sorensen. <laughs> And I was there in that stinky room with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so special. I can't believe that you just came up with that entire scene on the spot like that. That was divine. And I feel like I have oh, actually I used that mic several times in my career and been thoroughly disgusted by it. <laughs> yeah. And mics like that tend to work better if they're not plugged in. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Which is the amazing thing, you know? <laughs> do they have their own – do they generate their own electrical charge from the buildup of spittle and lipstick and smoke over the – is that what happens? Yeah, they do. They do. You find um, old band members on a rocking chair on the um, uh, on the front porch there whittling the spit and beer <laughs> off them, you know, to make little totems to people. Disgusting. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. Uh, more than more than once I've been so frustrated I've actually put them in the dishwasher. Oh good lord, no. Really? And uh yeah, that's where I'm going. Yeah. If it works after that it'll be cleaner, it can't sound any worse, and if it doesn't work you'll be forced to buy a new one. So that's a win either way. You almost can't kill an SM58 though. It's just that those things I know. you can you can smash them with drumsticks and they'll still keep going and I know this for a fact. So the S <laughs> Yeah, the SM58 is great. I like the sound of the Beta 57 better, but then they've got that that whole pl plastic thing on the top of them. Yeah. And I go, you've gone you're like neighbor to this absolutely amazing military grade indestructible mm. mic. Mm -hmm. And then you've got this little plastic thing on it and I'm going oh, on the Beta 57s and I'm going how does that, that doesn't, just doesn't compute. Uh, same. I don't get it. Do not get it yeah, at all. But I travel with my own, because I'm a wanker, I travel with my own <laughs> mics now. Yes. 
So I go, you can have whatever you want in the venue, but I'm going to bring my own mic and all you need to provide me with is a plug. Yep. So that makes life a whole lot easier is traveling with your own uh, your own mic. As a singer, it's imperative. It has to be done. I mean, it's too disgusting. Oh, to, totally, uh, no, totally. No, just the smell of Look, somebody else's breath. I can't trust other people. A, oh, God, no. I just have to run screaming. Plus, I can't there. trust how well they glued those diamantes on. <laughs> True. Like, True. How, how do you know? <laughs> Are they really Swarovski? And it's terribly, or, terribly you know, disconcerting if they just peel off while you're mid-sentence. It's awful. I know. How did she die? She didn't die with a falafel. She died with a Swarovski crystal <laughs> that she'd inhaled back <laughs> that randomly came off in a workplace health and safety accident with a microphone. Oh, God. See... I, I wasn't sure about being swallowed by a snake if I was a rat, but now I'm sure that's how I'm going to go. If I, that's that's exactly how I will die. Swallowing. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm up. Yeah, I'm up for it too. Yeah. 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 That's. that's uh, and I I I prefer it to be from a mic as opposed to a poor vajazzling job. But. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, me too. Or is that that's just just not? Or gonna... do they just call they just call that upcycling? <laughs> <laughs> oh god no no that's very the only way is essex isn't it for jazzling that was when i first heard that yeah, term i was like what even oh that good lord seriously that's a thing <laughs> it's a thing didn't this go in a weird direction that's, how did we how did we end up here ben sorison how how oh. I don't know. <laughs> Diamonte's on my mic. Oh my good! Oh yes, of course. And dying from inhaling them, and yeah, of course. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about is I'm a big fan of Insight Timer, and you do the most beautiful Aesop's Fables on there. Was that just something oh, yes, that definitely. you decided to do because you love them? How did like how did that come Look, about? I love I love Insight Timer, and I've had. Uh, I've got a couple of meditation CDs or guided meditation CDs that I did like 10, 15 years ago. And um, they're still selling really well and still doing quite well. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll do some more CDs. And during lockdown, I couldn't go anywhere. And I thought, oh, I'd real, I just am really fascinated by the concept that we had uh, crusades and wars all over the world over the Bible and other religious texts that teach us values. Mm -hmm. And then we look at Aesop's fables that we don't even know if Aesop wrote them. They're just attributed to him in the energy or style of Aesop's fables, which is why there's some variance between the texts. No one's ever gone to war over them. Hmm. No one's ever killed anyone over them. But they embody very similar good ethics, morals, values, and th points to think about Yeah, compared to the Bible. And I go, well, why don't we get that out there a little bit more as a little thought piece for the day? Because a lot of them are quite short. Yeah, like so, two minutes. It's a, they're beautiful. I love them. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's just a wonderful way to get out of your day and to go, okay, how can I share something to make you think, I'm not here to tell you what's right or wrong, but how can I make you think about your world in a way that is friendly to uh, people of all religions, all races, all colours, yeah. or whatevers? Yeah. And Aesop's yeah. Fable kind of cuts through that. Yeah. 
Beautiful. Although, if there was a Aesop's Fables crusade, I reckon I'd be on that. That'd be fun. <laughs> okay, I'll join you on that. I'll join you on that. I love it because yeah. he's very often he uses animal analogies, and I love that all their stories. They're just beautiful. Yeah. They're just fantastic. So, and the other thing I was going to ask you about was you narrated a poetry book called Poetry of the Geek by Dean Rankin, and yeah. I. Love this. And I've always wanted to narrate a poetry book. And so how did that come Look, about? Yeah, so Dean's a mate of mine. Uh-huh. So I also host a whole heap of the, the Australian version of Comic-Con. Got it. So um, the he's a regular at Supernova and I'm part of the MC team there. And, you know, we got talking. We both live in Melbourne. And his I met his publisher uh, and they sort of hooked us up and uh, I went, hey, what do you reckon about a poetry book but we do it as a as an audio book? And he's going, oh, I don't know. I don't know. What do you, what do you reckon? And I did a couple of them. And, and he went, yeah, let's do it. And the publisher's gone, yeah, let's do it. Wow. And it was just so much fun. I mean, the poetry of the geek, like Dean's book, Dean's an amazing artist uh, as a cartoonist uh-huh. and artist. He's drawn... A lot of amazing. He did the uh, a couple of covers for uh, the Rick and Morty comic book. He's done the Simpsons comic book. He's done Futurama and like heaps of other stuff. And he's just the nicest guy ever. And as part of his creativity and stuff, he was he was writing a poem a day, and then he compiled all of those poems into this book. So they're totally irreverent. They're pop culture themed. They're wild and just great fun. Yeah. So it's an amazing book and I really enjoyed doing the audiobook version of it. So if you can get your hands on both of them, definitely do it. I think that's the way to do it with with a poetry book like that because I'm assuming it's got all his amazing drawings through it as well. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Uh, And it gives you an insight into his head, which is fascinating. (laughs) Just from the few that yeah. in the sample that I listened to, they were just brilliant and funny and so oh. left field. And I love all that. That makes me happy. Yeah. And it also makes me happy to be doing an audiobook for an author that I genuinely, genuinely love and support. Yeah. He is without a doubt one of the kindest people and the most giving people. And it is wonderful that he's getting more and more and more recognition. And uh, you know, for the great work that he does. Oh, so wonderful! Um, I have so much time for Dean. Excellent, we love it. Good people supporting good people. That's just what it's all about, really. Yeah, and buys comic books too. Yeah, they're, really, they're a great read. Okay, okay. I'll put all this in the show notes, and also in the show notes, I will be putting all the places to find you, which are many and varied. So, <laughs> oh. but it's it's relatively easy. Yeah. It's Ben Sorensen one because some other bastard took Ben Sorensen. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So Ben Sorensen one. I showed him. Hey. Yeah. Ben Sorensen yeah. number one. <laughs> one. Yeah. Aha. <laughs> Didn't think of that, did he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, Ben Sorensen one, do you have a piece that you would like to read for us, please? Look, I do. I do. And I changed this like five minutes before we got on the call because I, f- I found it again. So ah. so here we go. I love language and I love English. And uh, I've started, tried to learn German. Uh, don't stress it's not in German. Mm-hmm. 
and it's gone very poorly. And I've realised that maybe I should just be a specialist at English. And being Australian, I should probably learn English. Um, so uh, <laughs> this is this this is this is it. And it's it, part of this is it's called "Why is English so hard?" Great, thank you. We'll begin with a box, and the plural is boxes. But the plural of ox becomes oxen, not oxes. One fowl is a goose, but two are called geese. Yet the plural of moose should never be mice. You may find a lone mouse or a full nest of mice. Yet the plural of house is houses, not heiss. If the plural of man is always called men, why shouldn't the plural of pan be called pen? If I speak of my foot and show you my feet, and I give you a boot, would a pair be called beat? If one is a tooth and a whole set of teeth, why shouldn't the plural of booth be called beeth? Then one may be that and three would be those. Yet hat in the plural would never be hose. And the plural of cat is cats and not coes. We speak of a brother and also of brethren. But though we say mother, we never say metherin. Then the masculine pronouns are he, his and him. But just imagine the feminine. She, shiz and shim. <laughs> Oh, that's there you go. wonderful. That is wonderful. Where did, where did that come from? Oh, uh, look, I read it years ago and um, it's a, look, it's un- unattributed. Oh, uh, okay. Which is so sad yeah. because there's uh, quite a few variations of it and it's quite old and there's uh, three or four different versions. Yeah. And um, that, that one's just a, a lovely, lovely length. Uh, but yes, English is a very, very funny language. It is. And hats off to anybody who tries learning a second language, particularly into adulthood. It's just, it's such a difficult thing. And I've never been able to do but it. But you know, and, once, once you have a familiarity with it, it's one of the few languages where you can actually get away with creating, you know, puns and double entendres and things like that. Mm. Because- we have a lot of words that have multiple meanings. And part of that is the playfulness of English. Yeah. And I think when we teach it and when we even using it day to day, we don't acknowledge the ability for it to be so joyous and playful and how we can change our inflection or our sentence structure to provide more meaning than our limited bunch of English words enable us to convey. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the magic puzzle of English. I agree. I love it to pieces. I That's my whole life. I appreciate yeah. so much reading other people's work that is that clever and narrating other people's work, particularly if they have yeah. a love of, of English. And um, Oh, absolutely. It's, it can be soul, soul destroying Look, I, when you when they don't, by the way, as well. <laughs> Look, I feel sorry for whoever did the audio book to Twilight. All I'm saying is just, yeah, or Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, good lord! Or like, or even the Dan Brown oh. thing that was so horribly written. But I mean, great story, but so bad. Yeah, written. what was it called? Whatever. That it thing. reads like Dan Brown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Well, Ben, I'm going to let you go because I know you're a busy man 
And this has been a delight. I hope you enjoyed being on the show. Oh, it was, it's the highlight of my calendar. Really? Literally, I highlighted this in my calendar. Got it. Yeah. Okay, good. So, yeah, super, super excited. Uh, and and you my- I, I really, really enjoy that you've created a space where we can talk as only voiceover people can with each other without talking to each other, which keeps our uh, that separation there so we can- you know, understand and not feel so alone. It's a wonderful concept. Yeah, it is lovely, isn't it? That's exactly kind of why I did it. I just wanted to, um, I mean, yeah, just because our stories otherwise very rarely get out there. And we're a bloody interesting bunch, I think. Well, after listening to a few episodes, I actually think that we are more interesting than we give ourselves credit for. Yeah, I think so too. As an industry. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's be, that we are, by our very nature, kind of hidden. So so anyway, hopefully this is bringing the whole concept of voiceovering and the people in it into the world in some way. So And, and maybe if I well, get better I at look, marketing, oh, it will go further into the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to many more interesting names and uh, many more great stories. Thank you. Uh, you are a very fascinating human, Ben Sorensen, and I am so glad you were able to come on the show. So Thank you very much and um, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. I shall. I think there may be some uh, some cheese and wine and biscuits, <laughs> except from a clean glass this time. <laughs> enjoy. Thank you so much, Ben. Thanks, Kathy. Okay. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to VoiceOver Voices. Scripts and concept by Kathy Ogden. Music produced by Grant Windsor and written by Jeff Franzel and Kathy Ogden. If you want to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Voice Over Voices Podcast. If you like this podcast, please rate, review and subscribe so more people can find us. Be kind. Thank you.